it's going to be a wild ride. So buckle yourselves in. Welcome to Stramash, the Scottish NFL podcast. This is episode 215. I'm back off IR. I'm not fully fit, but I'm here because I had to sit and listen to all you lot talking pish for the last few weeks. So getting things back on track, or probably not actually, if I've got any priors. Um, joining me, Paul Mitchell. You did a great job, Paul, of keeping it going as I was laying in my bed sweating. Yeah, I'm thinking of taking this up professionally. You never know, it might work for me. Uh, but uh, welcome back. We're gl- great to see you. And we've got to talk about the dumbest play in the history of the NFL. We absolutely do. And I can't wait. And we've got a couple of old pros to join us this evening. We've got Jamie Borthwick and we've got Ian Stephen. Good evening, gentlemen. Good evening. I would just like to clarify, Cameron, that um, going by NFL legislation, you were not an IR. Um, you were, according to your wife, on the physically unable to perform list. <laughs> For the 17th year running. Tremendous. <laughs> well played, sir. Good Lord. Yes, so an eventful week 15. Lots done, lots confirmed. There's, there's, somebody, there's somebody at home that's spat out their drink and just went, Cameron's married? <laughs> yeah, I know. It was a, it was a trap. Um, I'm not saying who for. Uh, week 15 in the history books. It all started off with the San Francisco 49ers under the leadership of Brock Purdy, Mr. Relevant himself. First team to win the division out of the NFL this season. Never saw that coming. Definitely didn't see that coming at all. Um, there was a misquote last week that Gordon McGuinness said that he was Brady 2.0. There is no way I said anything like it. I was a little bit worried about the hype. I still am. There's a lot of hype about this guy. Um, he's had two very decent games, but my feet, as all of you will know, and anyone listening to this knows I am a pessimist. Um, this you is want, complete, you want to know why? complete and utter nonsense, because when I said last week he's affectionately known as the Badger, you immediately texted us to say, no, he's the goat. Evil laugh. Lies <laughs> and slander. But what a start to the week, right? Niners, win the division. On to the weekend. And then history is made because we see the greatest, biggest comeback in NFL history. What the hell? What was going on there? Uh, Saturday NFL action. Oh, by the way, big tick there. Love it. Let's have more of that. It was fantastic stuff. I mean, I had a Vikings friend of mine. I mean, I was trying to talk him down off the ledge. He was not a happy bunny. Um, But thankfully, he stuck with his team. And he watched them go. So now Matt Ryan has got the biggest ever regular season comeback against them, the biggest ever Super Bowl comeback against them, the biggest ever NFC Championship game comeback against them. The, the Colts just, I mean, you wouldn't see a, a, that sort of thing in Scottish football. You wouldn't see, say, a team conceding twice in injury time or something to lose a game. But somehow the Colts managed to, to figure out a way to blow a whole half of football and watching it. I mean, I don't know what, what Jamie and Ian think, but some of the play calling was, I mean, not even conservative. It was just stupid. Going for third down and you're not even going beyond the marker on a couple of occasions. I mean, that's just a recipe for disaster. And the Colts looked out their depth in that second half completely. 
It was absolutely bananas. It was the first time I'd been able to go to the, the pub on a Saturday night in, in weeks and weeks, and I was starting to wonder about the, the strength of the ale that I was being served um, as I continually looked up and saw these bananas, special teams plays, just weird decision-making, and the craziest comeback of all time. At half-time, I wondered like, if, if folk were just going to quit and head into town. Um, because they surely didn't see any way back. It reminded me of the, the Hearts-Hibs derby when Hearts were 4-2 down and after 90 minutes, the game finished. Um, four all. How many people left and then regretted it later? Uh, it was just funnily, funnily enough, that's exactly the same thing it reminded me of as well. And I was going to mention it earlier on because I was at the game, and obviously not a Hearts or a Hibs fan. Uh, I was there with my Hearts friend who at 4-2 said to me, let's go. Let's go. And I said, I stopped him and I went, the game's not over. The game's not over. Now, I'm not in any way claiming any kind of psychic abilities. Mystic Smeg, I am not. But I made him stay. And my God, what an ending to a game of football. Um, We'll not talk about two injury time goals that happened more recently. That can get in the bin. But that was brilliant, that 4-4 draw. It was sensational. So a great game. But it did feel like... Everything went so against them. And even the Vikings seemed to battle a couple of really crappy referee calls as well, where they could have been, they could have caught up much quicker than they did. It could have been done and dusted earlier. But ultimately, they got it done. Um, and we've been questioning, I mean, Ian, you talked about it first, I think, that the Vikings were legitimate. Uh, and I think, you know, there was definitely questions being asked with that first half performance. It was absolutely stinking. But the amount of character that they showed they fought back on both sides of the ball. Uh, and whatever was said at halftime, absolutely brilliant. For Jeff Saturday on Saturday, yeesh, not, another, not a particularly good one that he wants in his column when he's looking for a job next year. But my word, what, what a Saturday start. Yeah, they're, they're not to spoil it by putting on the Ravens and the Browns. <laughs> you, know, you know, I mean, that one didn't quite sparkle, shall we say. Didn't quite sparkle. It didn't, and Gordon's not here, but I'd messaged them separately um, through that game because I thought the Ravens were terrible. Like, they were really, really awful. And Tyler Huntley didn't look like a good backup quarterback. I've seen flashes from him previously where I thought, actually, he he was like a Lamar Jackson light, but it just... He was looked so out of his depth. It just, everything looked panicked. It just was a mess across the board. Um, you know, Gordon was kind of been dismissing it on social media. If you've seen it as well, you know, they were playing with a backup against the Browns and what have you. The Browns have not been great this year at all. Deshaun Watson's not been great since he's come back and he didn't play well either. So I, I don't know that that's much of an excuse there. The, there's been a lot of questions about the play calling there. Why did you not run the ball more? They seem to go away from that. I don't know why either, because Huntley definitely wasn't finding anybody. Um, not helped by a couple of drops by his receivers, sure. But it just was bitterly disappointing. And the Ravens really got to wonder if they're going to be one of the teams to suffer and fall out of the, play, fall out of the playoff picture. It's not easy operating with a backup. And at Huntley, yeah, I thought he should have shown a little bit more. But it just it was one of these games you were waiting for something exciting to happen. And to be fair, it really didn't happen. Just, you know, Cameron, we often touch on broadcasters. I think it's worth saying that Noah Eagle called the, the Colts game. Um, now, obviously, his dad's Iron Eagle, so I've no idea how he managed to land the job uh, <laughs> on the NFL network. 
Um, it, not particularly great. Tick, you know, ticked all the boxes and roughly what you should and shouldn't do. Nate Burleson wasn't great either. But I'll tell you what, I mean, Noah Eagle, I mean, compare him to Rich Eisen, who I love as a presenter, who you know, did the, the play-by-play on the, the Cleveland Ravens game. He was awful. Absolutely awful. It was like he was presenting a television program, not commentating on one. It was really rank bad. It's a different skill set, right? It's a different skill yeah. set to be able to ask the questions and continue the conversation versus talking about the game. And you know what? It's fine. It was on the NFL Network opportunity for their guys to get some experience doing it. But um, yeah, I, I like Rich Eisen. I didn't mind him on the broadcasting. He, he perhaps wasn't of the level of the pros. But I didn't think it was massive, massively terrible. I think the game was so bad, though, that actually the game was the bigger disappointment. Perhaps I just wasn't picking up on it. And that's where you need a good broadcaster, because a good broadcaster would have got you through that game an awful lot better. Uh, the problem with no ego, I mean, they kept talking about big comebacks, big comebacks, and they, they took forever to tell people what the comeback was they were beating. You know, you you were going back to the the, the Bills versus Oilers. It took forever for them to reference that. Um, whether that was a production decision, they were trying to find pictures or not, that wasn't a particularly good look either. There's it actually could, it could well be they always have a stats stats person that's in the booth with them, and if it's a brand new crew, maybe they didn't have a stats guy, or maybe the stats guy they had didn't know how to work with them or whatever, but usually they have that person that feeds them that information and they, they'll, they'll present it on air. And if it is a, a kind of brand new commentary team, there's all, I think there's a kind of disconnect there. It might not have been the actual commentators on, on that one, but you would also expect them to know what the biggest comeback yeah. is in NFL history. It's fairly well known. Yeah, exactly. So I just thought that was, thought that was fairly poor. I'm not a big fan of the NFL network doing their own games. It's not very good. It's it's a, a segue though into our awards this week because we'll kick off with the belter. Patrick Watson has actually given Noah Eagle a nomination for belter. He says not very often a new commentator is an instant hit, but Eagle Jr. looks to be a great addition to the NFL commentating crew. He sounds like Jim Nance when speaking in normal tone, and then just like his dad when in a higher octane. Yeah, but yeah, but I, I would bet Cameron there's probably about twenty or thirty better guys than than him out there and he's got the job because he's dad. I mean let, let's be perfectly honest about that. He he will he will do okay because of the connections that he's got. And American sports casting is is got a long, long history of, of nepotism like that. He sounded like his dad. Obviously nowhere near as good as his dad. Uh, I thought Nate Burleson he needs to open up more. He was just stating the obvious far too often. Um, and that's not really what you need from somebody who's alongside. I, as a pairing, they might grow, but I mean, I think I think they're on a Nickelodeon game this week, and I'm quite happy if they stay there for quite a while. <laughs> okay, uh, let's dip into the award nominations because there's actually quite a few belters in here that will get us talking about some of the matches. We've already talked about the Vikings, and there is a plethora of nominations here. A number for the Vikings themselves. Sarah Taylor, Ian Brown, Mark McEwen. Lauren Callahan gives it to the second-half comeback. Johnny Bailey, David 
Dryborough, all of them giving it to the Minnesota Vikings. Johnny Bailey says, what a special comeback we witnessed on Saturday night. Just when we think we've seen it all in the NFL, the biggest comeback in history occurs. I don't support either team, but was buzzing after that. An incredible match. So much so that I had to watch the miscuing Ravens get bitched off by the Browns to help me get to sleep. Um, there's a couple of nominations KG Osborne gets one in particular from George Jackson uh, now it's not how you start it's how you finish phenomenal record breaking comeback where most of the teams would have switched off and went to damage control KG Osborne had an outstanding game as well and I reckon the strongest point in that offense on the day despite Jefferson being great as usual and Brian Dando gives it to Cousins as much as it was a mess in the first half he got his shite together for that record comeback so obviously there's a there's a number of people that you can focus on. The defense did a particularly good job in the second half disrupting them as well. Um, beyond that, there's a couple of nominations for Jacksonville. Obviously, uh, overtime victory there against the Cowboys. Did both of you guys, uh, Jamie and Ian, a favor? I'm sure you enjoyed that one. Doug Peterson gets a nomination from Darren Barry. The Jags have won once in 113 matches when down by 17 points before this week. So for Doug Peterson to put a rocket under them and convince them that this is their time and against the high-flying Cowboys, absolute belter. Thought that was a perfect way well, to summarize. It's, it's, uh, it's interesting you say uh, Cowboys because we actually just had a late entry into uh, Belter of the Week, um, and it's literally just been sent to me. It is actually Hollis Thomas nominating himself, sending us a video clip. Well, you can't see, I've got my the way my screen set up. He sent a video of himself. Uh, smashing up Larry Allen and then twice and then tackling Emmett Smith twice. Uh, it did happen like twenty odd twenty five years ago. <laughs> I think he wants to. I think he wants to nominate himself. And <laughs> listen, this is this is Cowboys Week. This is what happens in in Eagles Cowboys Land and then Cowboys Week. You get just an entire week of this kind of stuff going on. So um, fair, fair play to him. Are you allowed to nominate yourself for something you did 25 years ago? <laughs> God, I <Absolutely>. hope not. <laughs> Cameron Christie, he gives, uh, he gives his nomination to just NFL Saturdays. Two Game of the Year's contenders, let's forget the middle game and pretend it didn't happen, uh, would welcome a few more of these every year. Well, it's fine. You've got one coming up this weekend as well, although it's Christmas Eve, so you should be spending time with the family. Great way to get away from them, though. Um, the early games on Sunday get a nomination for Paddy Kelly. That brief period where every game was a one-score game was great viewing. You had a Super Bowl favourite, Chiefs toiling in Houston, the Eagles on the ropes in Chicago, Cowboys pissing away a good lead, and the Saints and the Falcons trying to avoid winning and getting in contention for the playoffs. It was quite an entertaining week. Zay Jones gets a nomination, obviously sticking to that Jacksonville one. Great wide receiver performance against a good Cowboys team to help seal a great win for the Jags. Um, number of nominations for the Jags. Um, Rashawn Jenkins gets one from Stephen Bryson. An NFL first of 18 tackles and two picks in the same game. The second of which was a walk-off pick six. This was his first ever pick six and it kept the Jags in the divisional hunt. Good work. And Matt Ryan gets one from Reese Nunes. He's a record breaker. He was present for the biggest ever Super Bowl comeback and the biggest ever regular season comeback. Some QBs just fade away, but not Matt. Who knows what other records he could break this season? Well, he's not going to break anymore because um, Nick Foles is starting this weekend for the Colts. So uh, the only thing he might break is the bench. 
two other nominations. Justin Herbert gets one from Alex Beaton. He didn't have a great game overall, but did at the end when it mattered to get the win and also becoming the first QB in history to have 4,000 passing yards in each of their first three seasons. Definite belter material. I particularly enjoyed the Chiefs fans getting salty about this one on social media because they all came back with, Open oh, Mahomes didn't play in his first season, so it's not really a relevant statistic. Oh, um, of course, that's a relevant statistic. Sit down, Mahomes will break all the rest. Damn it. Well, and then Jason, was that, was that you or I and Eagle that there? Sorry, I was, I was getting confused. <laughs> that's, just, that's just exactly what the good people of Kansas City sound like. Exactly. exactly. Yeah. It's, it's a local in. accent. It's a local accent. Um, and then Jason Hoffman, he puts his Josh Allen, he put the team on his back and did what he had to do to win. Without GA17, we lose the game. With him, the Bills are still AFC number one seed, a step away from AFC East Champs again, and the first AFC team into the playoffs. There was a number of other stories told, gentlemen. Is there anything else that you would look like to put into contention for the Belter this week? Yeah, I think we've got to give some love to the Jacksonville Jaguars, as you say. And I think the difference good coaching is making and Trevor Lawrence is, is coming out. I mean, 17-point lead, they were, you know, that Dallas had. Um, that's not easy, given, you know, the national spotlight was the big game. And I, I just thought the Jags are showing real signs of life now. It was good to see the stadium full. I know a lot of that would have been Cowboys fans as well. But no, I was, I was just really impressed. If you are allowed to nominate yourself, yeah, I mean, I could nominate myself. I watched the Saints Falcons, so you guys didn't have to. And that's going above and beyond uh, for this podcast, given the way the Saints or Falcons are playing this year. We salute your service. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we called we called the Cowboys Jags game last week in the podcast. We said it was going to go down at the wire. We said it was going to be a fantastic quarterback performance. It was going to win the game, and we were right for the first time ever. And the other big story I think that comes out of of the week is obviously the NFL have opened up an investigation into the Denver Broncos uh, uh, and the drugs that they were taking because, well, obviously they were taking something because they scored over 20 points. It's because Uh, Russell Wilson wasn't playing. That's what's (laughs) happened there. Just tee that up for you. Just tee that up for you. I'm going to give a nomination that's a collective. I'm going to give it to our three Scottish NFL players this weekend because we saw a David Ojabo debut. Now, he didn't get a huge amount of snaps, but he was out there. Uh, Definitely saw him at least once. Um, Actually, it was the first play that I saw when the game flipped over from the end of the Colts-Vikings. First thing I saw was David playing off the edge. It was a third and long, so of course he's doing the pass rush. Also, credit to Godot and Jamie Gillen, especially Jamie Gillen on the back of that dropped punt where he was under a lot of heat. Five punts, three inside the 20, two inside the 10, instrumental in that performance. Also, Graham Godot, two field goals, both of them over 50 yards, or they were bang on 50 yards, I think. He's now seven for eight on 50 yarders um, in the 2022 season. I think tremendous to see our Scottish NFL players performing really, really well. Anyone else got anything to add? We're not allowed to talk about Willie McGuinness, are we? You could talk about Willie McGuinness if you want. <laughs> Might be a bit random, but it's, it's an arresting story. Um, <laughs> that's probably about all, all we can say. I mean, if you want to just talk about a couple other narratives that come out of it, I mean, the Steelers, who are a horrible football team to watch, still managed to eke out wins. You know, went on the road against the Panthers, who'd won the previous week. Um, 
in Seattle. I think you mentioned the Texans briefly. I mean, they might be 1-12-1, but they don't give up. And that's possibly the only hope you've got for Lovey Smith to try and keep his job there. Uh, Lions again, starting to surge the Lions, 7-7. Seven and seven. Uh, You could argue the Jets blew the game as well. They had the chance to get there. So, um, and I thought you might mention a little bit more, or there might have been a little bit more love for the Bengals. I mean, you know, terrible, terrible first half. And then Joe Burrow comes to life. Yeah, um, there was absolutely no nominations for the Bengals whatsoever. But you're right. um, And doing what they need to do to continue to win. It's, you know, the playoff picture is really interesting as well because you look in the NFC and we've already got the Eagles, the Vikings, the Niners and the Cowboys are all clinched into the postseason. In the hunt, you know, obviously we've got the winner of the NFC South, which right now feels like, I mean, who, who's winning the NFC South? The Bucks, it the Bucks are winning. They are the best team out of the four, but that, that's like saying I'm the best looking out the four of us. You know, I mean, really... <laughs> Sorry, it's nearly Christmas. I'm in that kind of mood. But yeah, again, I had to watch that NFC South game. You know, it's interesting. And I'd like to get Jamie and Ian's take on this as well. So there were several posts from, you know, I obviously follow a lot of Saints fans. And a lot of people saying that if you're rooting against your team and you wanted your team to lose, that's not being a fan. However, if you might be wanting rid of your head coach, winning is the worst thing that can happen to your team. Ian and Jamie, where do you stand on the the sort of winning doesn't really do you a lot of good uh, and that could actually do you more harm? Is that right as a fan or is that wrong? Yeah, I mean, that that tends to be the sort of like, I'm a bigger fan than you and I'm a more true fan than you nonsense that goes on in the internet. I think it's perfectly acceptable to be at least uh, open to the, your team losing because there's always advantage to be had, whether it's getting rid of your head coach, whether it's getting in position in the draft, um, or whether it's just having a good laugh. And I've had plenty of that in recent years with the New York Giants. So, um, but the thing is, when they do win, you're still happy. You know, yeah. even, even, even if you're like, you know what, actually, you know, wouldn't bother me in the slightest if they take a, a doing here. Um, then they pull a win out of nowhere. You're like, yes, brilliant, fantastic. So, um, uh, other than that, it's all just a pissing contest as to with with fans on the internet, isn't it? Indeed, it is. Um, one question for you as well, Jamie. I went back and listened to it because we've put out an advert. We will be recording our third annual pished cast next weekend. Yeah. Um, but I went back and listened to last year to pull out some of the highlights. Now, nobody will be surprised to hear that it was Charles Patterson that cast the aspersion, but it was Charles Patterson that cast the aspersion uh, and commented about how um, what it feels like to be Jamie Borthwick and not having any football to worry about in December. Um, you know, you said last year, normally by December, you're not even watching anymore. How nice is it for you to still be watching and be in the, the hunt? It's been wonderful all year, to be honest, um, particularly just given the state of the roster, the state of the um, cap space that uh, Joe Shane inherited, and just knowing that this year was going to be so tough, um, to watch them go out and play as hard as they've been playing and as relentless as they've been playing has been absolutely amazing. And I think that um, I think that the win on the win on Sunday puts them in a amazing position to, to get to the postseason, which um, I did not see coming. So um, it's been fantastic. It's been brilliant to, you know what, actually, like after watching them on Sunday, 
to go to bed and kind of lie there thinking about, well, what's year two going to look like? What's year three going to look like? And actually understand that there might be people who know what they're doing in charge of your <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Stead, I always, I always have to whisper that to myself. I always have to whisper it to myself. But that's the feeling I get. How do you feel about the goatee? Uh, Dayball, obviously, sporting a goatee. He's getting confident. Uh, do you think it's a good move? Do you think he's asking for trouble? I think I, I think I feel the same way about it as Dave's does because he clearly hates it, but he wanted to do something to 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 snap their kind of um, poor run of luck in prime time. I think, as as he put it, and uh, and now he's going to have to keep it. Poor man, poor man. I don't think I've ever rocked a full goatee myself. Well, I think now's the time, Jamie. I think you've got to follow him. You've got to follow your coach and go for that goatee look. Uh, I I would, but. I've tried it once before and it didn't end well. How many Plus people would mistake me for Brian Dable walking down the street back and watch I didn't mean shave your head. That, that wouldn't look good on television. Certainly oh, that's, your point. Interesting that that's the only difference that and, you thought between Jamie and... Oh, shave the and, head, eh? Can I, can I finish my sentence and stick a couple of pillows up your jumper as well? <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, there we go. Come yeah, on, yeah. I'm getting there. But the goatee in solidarity. He's got a better taste in hip-hop than me. I'll give him that. <laughs> um, okay, who gets our belter of the week? Is it the Vikings for that comeback? Is it Jacksonville for that amazing uh, win over the Cowboys? Do they have their own comeback? I think Anyone? it's Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence, just simply because, he, you know, they played the complete game. Dallas were still trying to score on them. I mean, the Colts just melted. Um, I often think when you've had, got such a great comeback in the second half, what were you doing in the first half? Um, which always, to me, counts against. So I would certainly be saying uh, Lawrence. Okay. Jamie, Ian? It's got to be the Vikings. It's got, sorry, like, to... <laughs> turn around in a, in a historic manner in the way that they did and, and just to come off that field looking and feeling like guys who are going to go really deep into the playoffs. Um, it's kind of been the story of their season in microcosm. People thinking, no, nah, there's no way that they've got this. And they do. Um, I think it's impossible to look past the Minnesota Vikings this week. Ian? Well, I think it's the precipitation and... Uh... Northern New York that gets it for me. Most enjoyable game of the year on Saturday night with the Bills. Um, but since nobody else really touched on it from our viewership, um, I would definitely have to go with the Jaguars. Oh, the Jags. So that's two for the Jags. I was going to go Vikings as well, I'll be honest. I have to say, I think that's an amazing comeback. Oh, do we share it? Do we give the Belter Award to great comebacks? Seeing as both teams did that. No, we we be we be brave and we put our big boy pants on. Ah, and decide which was better, because that's how this that's how this game works. But it should be pointed out that you've got the casting vote because you've got the microphone and the buttons to mute everybody else. So, okay, I'm I'm going to be swayed because I think you've just made a really good point about both of them did it, big boy pants, and I think that the Jacksonville Jaguars did that comeback, though not as big but against a much better team that are very much playing for something. So I think that that walk-off pick six was huge. Fine. Jacksonville Jaguars, we raise a glass and a toast because you are the Loch Lomond Belters of the week.
On to Bifin. I'll be perfectly honest. There are one, two, three, five nominations that are not for Jacoby Myers. Um, pretty much. So, so, so Cameron, I, I'm going to argue against this. Jacoby right. Myers should not be the Bowfin Award of the Week because he has brought joy to millions. <laughs> At this time where we're all looking for a little bit of a boost, that was the funniest play I have ever seen. I was listening to the game on the radio. I fell asleep before the end. Um, and I woke up and, you know, you check social media and it's like, Stunning, incredible. And I, I watched the clip on Twitter and was just blown away by it. It is singularly the dumbest thing I have ever seen. And it made me it made me smile on a Monday morning. It was hysterical. And what would you have given to being in the Patriots locker room to see Bill Belichick break the one break the game down for that? It was funny and I think what you've got to say is you've got to have a little word here for Mac Jones. If ever a person was not expecting to be run over, it was Mac Jones who was standing there, minding his own business, getting into the zone uh, for overtime, and all of a sudden, he just got absolutely melted as the boy went into the end zone. It was so, so funny. And uh, Chandler Jones was brilliant loved it but of course i mean all tongue-in-cheek he has to be uh the bow for that is the dumbest thing i've seen in american football so, field the only question because again it, for me he does right but is jacoby myers the only person who gets the award here is this are we singling him out here does it does um ramondre stevenson fall into this does mac jones come into it does bill belichick come into it was this so, planned? Was this part of the agenda? I don't, like, surely not. Rodney Stevenson isn't Bowfin, and we don't have the award this year, Cameron, but he's a ball bag <laughs> because all he was trying to do was pad out his stats. He got 30-odd yards or something like that because they weren't going to tackle him. That's ball baggery. That's to make him look good. Um, so, no. It, and Belichick, yeah, I mean, they're being ridiculed and things like that, but... Uh, Ian and Jamie might know better, but apparently the call in the huddle was we're going to overtime. So I, I don't blame the coaching. Fine. Belichick gets a pass. Um, Jamie, Ian, anything to add? Is there any other names that we, because we've only talked about this one. Is there anyone else who's in the mix here? Hilarious. It was brilliant and it's got to be the favourite for this award. I'm just hoping that some of the other nominations are for the um, officials in the Washington New York Giants game so that you can read them out and I can take them intravenously. Um, let me have a look. There are two <laughs> nominations for the refs. The first one from George Jackson says this season has been one of the worst for officials in the NFL. And this weekend, particularly the Packers-Rams game, showed that some of the no-calls for holding and pass interference were ho-ho-ho-chin. At this point, do you fix the refs issue? More ability to challenge different calls, question mark. And then Reese Nguyen says, don't, uh, no, you don't like the refs being nominated, but robbing Sullivan of two touchdowns, the second one was sickening, even for a Colts fan, was awful. Giving the poor sod a 15-yard penalty for responding in a way that was calmer than I'd have done. Um, there is no mention of the calls in the Giants-Commanders game 
Jamie, so you're going to have to pitch in yourself. to the absolute indifference that everyone has towards the Washington Commanders these days. Wonderful. Well, I mean, that, I'll take that as a consolation prize. Thank you. The two, the other nominations. Um, actually, Long Callahan gives it to the Las Vegas Raiders. Yes, they won this weekend on a crazy play straight out of the water boy, but they still are the only team to have lost an interim coach who prior to his appointment was an ESPN analyst and whose only coaching experience was at the high school level. So there you go. Jeff Saturday's one win. But Jeff Saturday gets a couple of nominations, the Colts and the Colts defense. Uh, the one other nomination is from Patrick Wilson for Justin Tucker. It wasn't a good day for the Raven and Gordon's man crush, Mr. Tucker. He's expecting a furious defense from Gordon, referencing Tucker's career conversion rates, etc. Well, that's not going to happen, Patrick because Gordon isn't here. It was um, it was a poor day by Tucker's own standards. Um, and yeah, let's let's kick him while he's down, shall we? Justin Tucker, not as good as Gordon thinks he is. Met with a steely silence. Right, okay, so we'll move on. I think it's a clean sweep. Jacoby Myers, you get the Bowfing Award this week. Congratulations, enjoy it. And we're going to move on to our team of the week. So we give it to Belter. We actually gave the Jags the Belter, so I don't think Trevor Lawrence automatically goes in here. So who is our quarterback of the week? Trevor Lawrence is still in the conversation, right? 318 yards, four touchdowns, one interception, one sack, a rating of 109, um, and a very good performance. But is there anyone else out there? Does does Zach Wilson get credit? Though he lost, he came back having been benched and had a really good afternoon. Uh, Kirk Cousins obviously had a sensational second half. Four touchdowns, 460 yards. He took seven sacks in that game, but had a rating of 99.3. And then Mahomes was clean, but Mahomes was against the Texans. So who gets our quarterback of the week? Josh Allen, I think, is in the mix as well. 300 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Yeah, Jalen Hurts as well. Um, find Jalen Hurts do a couple of interceptions, but um, I thought Hurts played particularly well. I don't think Hurts is in there because he zigged when he should have zagged and he's got himself a little shoulder sprain that's causing consternation. Yep. Um, we might get some, some Minshew mania on Christmas Eve. <laughs> always enjoy a bit of Minshew mania. He's questionable as well, though, coming into this. No, he was at a, he was at Mike Leach's a party. All oh, right, okay, right, okay. Sorry. Show some respect, Cameron. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> it's fine. I'll edit that bit out. Um, so quarterbacks then. Josh Allen is a decent shout, especially given the the weather, the conditions there. That was not a fun place to play football. Rock Purdy was awesome as well. He's yeah. the second coming of Peyton Manning, I think. He's, he's 117 rating, solid, but yeah, not enough touchdowns thrown, to be honest. Um, I'll open the floor. I came in thinking Trevor Lawrence because he's been doing it for um, a couple of weeks now and then really put it together in the against an excellent secondary and under pressure. Um and so having given Belter to the Jaguars already, it's a bit boring, but um my feeling on the week is it's 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 Trev. 
Okay. Does anyone object to Trevor Lawrence? Nope. The notable mention for Josh Allen? Fine. It wasn't a gimme, but he got it nonetheless. Trevor Lawrence is our quarterback of the week. What offensive line is he behind? Good question. I mean, it, it depends. Again, you, the easy one is the, the Vikings for the way they played in the second half, the protection that was given to Cousins. But again, where were they in the in the first half of that? So again, it's it's, it's almost an incomplete performance. Uh, interesting, I, I didn't think um, the Lions were under too much pressure by the Jets, who are a half-decent defence. Um, so I think they're worth a look. What about the Giants? Like, the, I don't think the commander sacked Daniel Jones, right? And Daniel Jones, there's not many games this season where he's not been sacked, just the style that he plays. Do the Giants get any credit for that? I mean, the commanders have got a good defence. I mean, there's no doubt about that. Um, and In fact, I'm just looking at it. It is the first time he's not been sacked. I've just had a look. It's yeah. the first time he's not been sacked. So he got sacked four times again. He got sacked four times the last time they played the Commanders. Four times against the Eagles, three times against the Cowboys, twice against the Lions, five times against Seattle. No sacks against Daniel Jones at all. The Giants got to get credit for that, right? He still got pressured a lot. I think a lot of that comes down to Daniel Jones uh, as at least as much as the O-line stepping up a little bit. Um, he got the ball out quicker. He was just a wee bit smarter um, to avoid um, pressures turning into sacks. I, I don't know. The, the, the Giants O-line isn't there. It's not, sorry, it, it's not quite fully there. I would, I'm not sure about giving them it. Okay. If, if a homer's not going out, I'm not going to fight you. So... Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, you're you're looking at various things. I mean, the, the Jags again. I thought they provided good protection to Lawrence. I mean, I think Jamie's right in in the seriousness that I think in New York, Daniel Jones has figured out how good or not his line is, and is now starting to make quicker decisions. Uh, I did see somebody suggest that New York's, you know, Zach Wilson's been working on momentum, interceptions, location, and fumbles, um, or MILF. For short, that's the one that you know, he's trying to keep himself going. He's actually got quite a decent line. And the, the point I'm trying to make is I don't think he's working to the line. He's not getting rid of it quickly enough. I don't know if the reads are there quick enough. Um, but again, I mean, we went with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I would argue the Jacksonville Jaguars for this again. I don't have any objections. Nope, that's fine. Fine. Trevor Lawrence playing behind his own line. Um as we move to our receivers, there's an argument that says that he's going to have one of his receivers out there as well. Zay Jones with 109 yards of six receptions and three touchdowns. So half of his receptions were a touchdown. A phenomenal performance. Again, not a name you expect to see at the top of the list by any stretch of the imagination. Other contenders, obviously, A.J. Brown, 181 yards. Uh, KJ Osborne had a great performance. We talked about that earlier, 157 yards touchdown. CD Lamb, Devonta Smith played well. Justin Jefferson, Jalen Waddle. There's a few others up there as well have done particularly well. Who do we think is the three that we want to pull out for special recognition? Are we putting Zay Jones in this? I wouldn't have a problem with that. I'm not hearing objections, so I'm putting Zay Jones in. Right, who's the other two? Ian. 
do either of the Eagles wide receivers make the team of the week this week? Listen, I'd argue for both. I mean, for Devonta Smith, it's not just the stats that he puts up, but it's the actual catches he makes. He's like um, a, a slighter version of uh, DeAndre Hopkins with some of his sideline catches. And AJ Brown was just absolutely phenomenal. Um the, the teams don't even uh, turn around and look for the ball now when A.G. Brown's going deep. They just panic. They literally just panic because they can't stop him. Um, I thought um, his one down the line was particularly good to have the awareness to keep himself in bounds and get extra yards. I thought it was particularly good. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, well, 181 yards is very difficult to overlook A.G. Brown. Um, what about K.J. Osborne's C.D. Lamb? I'd make a case for KJ Osborne, um, just coming up with some incredible plays in that second half. That, <clears throat> and there were big ones, there were third downs and and a big chunk plays that gave them that crazy momentum that allowed them to to fully complete that comeback. We do like to give the award to people that don't often win it, and I think that Zay Jones, KJ Osborne are not names that we're going to talk about most weeks, um, and therefore putting them in there feels like a special recognition for what was an exceptional week for both of them. Fine. Okay. I think that's fine. AJ Brown, KJ Osborne, say Jones, who is our running back? Ramondre Stevenson tops the numbers with 172, but does he make himself null and void for that ridiculous, (laughs) um, for his part in that final play? He padded his stats out with that final play. No. Yeah. <laughs> swipe left or swipe right, whatever it is you're supposed to do to get rid of someone. <laughs> you know which way you swipe, right? Um, Tyler uh, Aljair did very well against the Saints. Thought he had uh, a good performance. You know um, what? I mean, I watched I watched that game, Cameron. He, he's nimble. He's nifty. Um He's just taking his chance, isn't he? I mean, there's injuries, um, so he's taking his chance. And he actually looked all right on his feet. The other people that are up for Latavius Murray, I feel like to Latavius Murray to have 130 yards uh, and a touchdown in that game. Like, I kind of thought Latavius Murray was done. Not completely, but the sort of running back that you would see 34 yards off of eight carries as a backup running back, but to come in and do that against a, well, against for a Broncos team that hasn't been performing this season, does he deserve credit? I mean, a couple of the runs that he was very deep and had to bring his own team out. So a couple of those runs that I saw were quite impressive. Um, Jamie, Ian, any particular names you want to put in here? I like Tyler Algier. Just because we'll never get his name correct. Taylor <laughs> Alchair. Um I, I think it's fine. He did that Saints defense is still very legitimately good. So to put up 139 yards and a touchdown against the Saints is very good. Notable mention to Latavius Murray. Uh that means that the only position that we've got left to fill is tight end. The big performers this week being Travis Kelsey, Dawson Knox. Uh, George Kittle chipped in with a couple of touchdowns. Anyone else in the mix? I don't think so. I think they're really the main three from an uh, from a yards and touchdowns point of view. Dawson, um, Dawson Knox was excellent in the Buffalo game. He looked absolutely fantastic. Uh, Dawson he's, Knox has been great a couple of weeks in a row. He's, he's, he's just 
he's he's become that extra weapon again for them. He's he's looked phenomenal. He's looked, you know, really uh, yeah. Uh, he's stepped up a notch, isn't he? Uh, honorable mention for the Saints, Joanne Johnson. Oh Two yeah, good shout, good shout. Joan Johnson Two did play very well. Yep. He played well as well. I mean, not just, yeah. you know, I mean, you, you got four catches for 67 yards. Um, and Saints have not had a decent tight end in quite a while. So, you know, that, that gives a little bit of hope from the Saints perspective there. He's got the chance to impress over the next couple of weeks. But, I mean, Dawson Knox was a great performer as well. Yep. Absolutely. Um, right, I'm going to make the call. I think that Johnson deserves credit. I'm giving a bit of credit to Kittle. We don't need to give Kelsey credit because he gets it every week. But I think that Dawson Knox, 98 yards and a touchdown in what was a very important win in a very cold stadium against divisional rivals. Um, Dawson Knox is our tight end. That means our team of the week. Wow. Looks a little bit different. We have Trevor Lawrence as our quarterback behind the Jacksonville Jaguars O-line. He has AJ Brown, KJ Osborne and Zay Jones as his wide receivers. Dawson Knox as his tight end and Tyler Aljair as he's running back. That is a waiver wire on fantasy football. If everyone wanted to see it with the exception of AJ Brown, who's on every single squad and that he can be. Um, but there you go. That's our team of the week. On to week 16 then, and first of all, we turn to our friends at the Winterfell Show as they're back with another Upset of the Week. Welcome to the Outer Hebrides, it's the Winterfell Show, I'm your host Ian McKinnon, I'm here with Jake McGee for the Upset of the Week, and after last week's results, Jake, I think it's pretty difficult to pick any kind of winner, what do you think? I was thinking about this, and I thought I might just throw a dart. Line up the teams, just throw it up, and just see where it lands, and we go from there. Okie dokie. So uh, there we go. And what we're going to do is we're going to get our pick. And you're thinking, oh, what the heck was that? Oh. Right through my window. Are you kidding me? Ah. Oh. What is this? Arrow stuck in the wall here, Jake. Hang on a second. We've got an arrow stuck in the wall. Let's have a look. See if we can get this. Uh, oh, no. It's got a note tied to it, you see. <sighs> oh my word! <laughs> my goodness, it's um, it's from Elvis, uh, and he's saying that <laughs> I can't believe this. He's actually saying that the Eagles are underdogs against the Dallas Cowboys. Wow! We threw a dart and it landed on the Philadelphia Eagles as underdogs against the Dallas Cowboys. What's going on here? Jake, tell us. What's happening? Well, in the Lone Star State, the, the Eagles haven't beat the Cowboys um, in Dallas since 2017. I mean, the, the Cowboys, although reeling after uh, an overtime loss, they've been on, on good form. Uh, they open as five-and-a-half-point favourites against an Eagles team possibly without their starting quarterback, most likely without their starting quarterback. I mean, a, sh a sprained shoulder on your throwing arm ain't, ain't nothing to mess about with. Um, but yeah, the, the Cowboys against the Eagles at home, uh, the, you know, the Cowboys have been pretty good, I say. 2017 was the last time they were beaten by the Eagles. Uh, but the Eagles will be looking to go for the, the clean sweep mm -hmm. after their Week 6 victory. This is a team, well, a game of two of the best defenses. The Eagles lead the NFL with 55 sacks. That is six more 
than the second place Cowboys. Mm. They average nearly four per game, so I, I think we can average uh, or expect a, a lot of defense and a lot of sacks and pressures. I mean, the Eagles will feel like they owe Dallas some of those sacks. Their win over the Cowboys in Week 6 was the only game all season. The Eagles didn't record a single sack. <laughs> now, is it is it solely the defense we have hoping for the Eagles? Nay. Nay, when we talk about backup quarterbacks, and you mentioned the name Gardner Minshew, fans rejoice i can mm-hmm. see it in the the, the not so distant future Minshew puts up 400 yards leads the eagles to the nfc east beats the dallas cowboys <laughs> and then they get to trade it to the saints for a second round pick because the <laughs> eagles always know how to fleece the saints so i i can see it in the in the lights uh i got a good feeling i've been on a good run of form uh and so have the eagles so i i think even with likely Gardner Minshew starting, they will get the job done against the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, I think you've got to think that the only reason the Cowboys are... Did you say five-point favourites? Five and a half points. Five and a half. It's got to be because Hurts isn't playing. You have to think. If he, if they if they were at full strength, it wouldn't be that. Some people wouldn't even put the Cowboys as favourites with this. The Eagles have been the best team uh, in the NFC. And we I mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, or a few weeks ago, I should say, that the only team that I could see beating the Eagles at the time was the 49ers because of that defence. But as you said, Dallas Cowboys... They've got a pretty good defense, and of course, Micah Parsons himself, um, phenomenal player. So, yeah, it's it's going to be tough. I'm all aboard the Minshew Mania train. I'm all for it. It's I don't know if it's the mullet. I don't know, or if it's if it's the, the facial hair. I'm not sure what it is. It's the charisma. It's he's all about that riz. He's got the riz. <laughs> he's got the riz. Minshew Mania is live and well in Philadelphia. So, Jake, uh, I'm going to ask you, can you give us a prediction for the score? Well, I was looking back at some of the scores. We saw in 2017, that was the last time the Eagles won. They won 37-9. to mm. But what caught my eye was the return game. The Cowboys won 6 to nothing. And after talking about that much defence... I'm going to go for a perfect 6 and nothing to the Philadelphia Eagles. 6 nothing to the Eagles. You heard it here first. My goodness, Jake. That's quite a prediction. I love it. So there we go. We have got our upset of the week. And it is the Philadelphia Eagles, probably with Gardner Minshew at quarterback, taking on the Dallas Cowboys. We're going to pass you back over to the guys at the Stramash podcast. Great to hear from the guys. Gentlemen... Christmas Eve, well, Thursday night football, obviously, is Jags-Jets, which five weeks ago, I, in fact, at the start of the season, I would have said, what a shite game. Even five weeks ago, I probably would have said that. Now it's actually quite interesting. It's quite a decent game. Yeah, I mean, you're certainly going to tune in to, to watch that one. I mean, it's it's interesting, as a You know, Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, uh, toe-to-toe. <laughs> Tell you what, the, the, the Jets... It's interesting. I don't. I, the coach basically came out. Salah came out and said that Zach Wilson is being uh, picked apart unnecessarily by the media. Uh, everything that he does is being picked on and examined. And you know, um, he, he he tried to. He mentioned something weird about coffee and all sorts of things. And I'm like, mate, it's New York. The media are ferocious. What part of that did you not know? And if you are going to have you know, the positions in New York sports, uh, you're you're looking at Yankees pitching, 
and arguably their centre fielder, you know, because that, that's usually the way it goes on and Judge just signed a massive deal. The Mets don't get the same amount of attention despite the fact they are spending horrendous amounts of money. Uh, you're talking even basketball, etc. with the Knicks. You're talking the quarterbacks of the two New York football teams is where all the pressure and all the spotlight goes. What part of that does he not understand? And if Zach Wilson wasn't ready for that, they shouldn't have drafted him. Uh, and just, I, I thought he did well to bounce back, though. I genuinely was surprised that he did as well as he did. Uh, he took his opportunity. But the game's interesting because if we look at the playoff picture right now, obviously the you know the Jets are one game behind the Dolphins. The Jags are one game behind the divisional leaders, the Titans. Both of these teams are very much playing for their place in the postseason. So it becomes really relevant. One of them is going to take a massive dent. One of them is going to put themselves in a position where it might kill off their postseason hopes. But I think it's a great game to start it off. What I feel like Jacksonville are the team that are coming. I feel like they're the team with uh, with the momentum behind them and that are, are ready to make a postseason push. And the Jets maybe huffing and puffing a bit after defying a wee bit few expectations earlier on this year. So uh, absolutely book a Jets win after that terrible bit of analysis. <laughs> are, are we are we calling the Jags the media preseason darlings for next year? There's always a team that everybody uh, yeah. jumps on saying they're going to be the surprise runners for the Super Bowl. Is it going to be the Jags, Jink? I'm a bit fed up with the Jags narrative. I mean, they've had, you know, more second comings than anybody else. You know, it's going to be their year. It's going to be their year. Jamie, I think you make an interesting point. I actually think it won't do the Jets any harm to lose this one. If the Jets finish, you know, with a record of eight and nine, even seven and ten, it's still been a good season. And then you can build on that. Sometimes, you know, if, if they get that winning season, nine and eight, and then get off to a bad start next year, um, you know, the pressure comes on. So at some point, you don't want to overachieve. Obviously, they want to try and win it. And if they can, but I just don't think it would be a disaster. I don't think it's a disaster either if the Jags go six and nine at this stage, because again, I think we're seeing enough from them and enough from Doug Peterson to suggest, I don't know whether they'll be the media darlings, Ian, but I think they'll be an awful lot better next year. I think the Titans are going the wrong way. The Colts are in, in free fall as well. and The Texans aren't ready. I think that division's theirs to win next year. Yes, the Jacksonville Jaguars narrative tends to come round again, but I guess part of that's also the Colts. I mean, are the Colts are going to have to rebuild the quarterback again. The Titans cannot continue to just lean on Derrick Henry. Uh, and I don't think there's enough for the Texans for them to take a big step forward. There's a real chance for Jacksonville to step up and take that division. I think, uh, the, I think the Titans should lean on uh, Derrick Henry. I think all other 10 players should stand behind him and push as hard as they can when he's <laughs> running with the ball. I think that is their <laughs> offense for the next five years. I'm trying to remember the play now. There was one particular quarterback sneak. I'm trying to remember who it was. I can't remember. But from the top-down view, it just it just looked like a scrum. Eagles, looked, it was the Eagles. Was, was the, it the Eagles one? The, it was the one where the... Oh, it was Jalen Hurts. Yeah, 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 it was the, Hurts going in for touchdown. It's when the nose tackle lined up with his helmet under Kelsey's head. So Kelsey was looking down at the back of another player's helmet. And in fact, there's about three or four of the other team offside. And the, to be fair, the officials did actually call it. So well done. Noticing somebody's offside as he lies underneath his opponent. <laughs> but I said, I've said it before in the podcast. I, I think the competition committee is going to look at 
quarterback sneaks for next season because it it literally is now like a, a rugby scum, even to the point of both both players. You know the way they kind of lock up and they kind of if the scrum's not right, it folds and they all go down and it's dangerous. It, it's starting to look like that now. Yeah. Yes, it it just it really stood out like it was just a scrum. It was wild. Um, okay, this week obviously Saturday is Christmas Eve. We've got a near full slate. Red Zone is on Saturday this week rather than Sunday. Um, I guess the first question is: Will you guys be sitting on Christmas Eve watching? the NFL or will you be watching Elf or something else? Uh, some of us are working. Will, I be, will I be watching Philadelphia Dallas? <laughs> God, you, sure. you've waited a long time to tell us it's Cowboys weekend. Come on. Uh, it's it's going to be good. It's going to be even more delicious if Minshew actually somehow pulls out a win against the Cowboys. Um, I think that would just be like top Christmas banter, if that was the key. I think Hurts is, is going to play. There's no way Hurts is not playing the guys. Uh, maybe the toughest player in the NFL at position other than maybe Josh Allen. So, Do you want him to play? So this is the interesting thing. Do you would you want him to play because it's the Cowboys, or would you rather he took a week to rest with a focus on the postseason? We win. We win this game. We win the division, and I think we need enough seal up the number one seed. So you've got two weeks after that to rest. Um, the the question the, the the issue that I would have is like Minshew wasn't around for the install package because he was at the funeral of Leach, so he's not as prepared as he could be coming in as a backup. Um, but maybe the rest of the team puts this game on their shoulders and they go out and try to win it rather than Hurts winning it himself. I don't think you can say Hurts are not playing. I think Hurts is playing. He'll he'll just strap up and go. I dressed there... Hurts the following week, Cameron. I, I I think if you can play him, play him. But I would certainly I would not. I would. I think you've got to see what Minshew's got, um, and I would play him against the Saints. He's got moustache, Paul. That's what he's got. <laughs> I, and a lot of charm. and you know, oh, do, you, and do, you know, with, do you know what else he has? An old school bus. <laughs> apparently apparently he, bought, he bought an old school bus and he went down to Florida in the off-season and he, he slept on the school bus whilst uh, training for his off-season workouts. And then he drove the school bus back up to Philadelphia and it's sitting in a car park unused at the moment. Um and he's he's now saying, oh, I forgot about that. I'm going to have to sell it. So he has a school bus. There you go. Are there any other games this week that are really worth interrupting your Christmas Eve plans for? So we've got Ravens, Fal- 6 o'clock on Saturday, Ravens, Falcons. Well, wait, 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 Cameron. First of all, tell us what your Christmas Eve plans are and we'll decide if they should be interrupted by the NFL. So my Christmas Eve is always the same um, uh, of, of recent years. It's a fairly new tradition, but we've done it the last couple of years, is we have a ham and egg sandwich. Uh, and we sit down and we watch the Christmas movie that we haven't got round to that we really want to watch. Typically it's Elf. It's not always. Clearly, you know, Elf has got family connections for me. Um, Buddy Hobbs and Walter Hobbs, you know, distant relations, but relations nonetheless. Um 
it ties back to the Hobbs household. Uh, so I sit down with my egg and ham sandwiches and watch Elf. Usually have a whiskey as well, but yeah. Yeah, I would uh, I would stick on New Orleans against Cleveland in comparison to that Dross Cameron. <laughs> no, no, I mean, ham and egg is an underrated combination. I think we've got to say that up front. Um, is it a Christmas Eve combination? I don't think so. I think it's a little bit weak for Christmas Eve. But, you know, you, you draw the play up, you draw the sandwich up and you go for it. You're coaching your sandwich. You, you go for it, my friend. It's, it's not. Wait until you see my ham and egg sandwich. I'm sending the photo out. I tell you, it's it's robust. Um, honestly, it's robust. It's uh, it's like an offensive another... lineman. The no, the grease on that is. Oh, let me tell you, not to be messed with. There are millions of podcasts in this world, but I can rest assured not one of them is talking about a robust ham and egg sandwich. So well, well played for that. I think. Well, we may as well because we're here. Jamie, what's your Christmas Eve plans? Um, see, normally we go down down south to um, my partner. So uh, Christmas Eve, first time in our uh, in our house doing it here. So um, I'm really, really hoping that it the kids off to bed by seven o'clock, and then I can um, claim the living room to do all my uh, Christmas wrapping um, in front of the NFL. But whether that plays out that way. Um, I think the odds are slim. On, on the on, <laughs> on, on the note of Christmas wrapping, I was uh, driving whilst listening to a, a Christmas playlist, and uh, uh, up popped the Run D, which I wasn't aware of, the Run DMC tune, uh, "Christmas in Hollis." Yeah. Um, so <laughs> I felt if there's ever one place that I wouldn't want to spend Christmas is inside a £350 <laughs> former NFL defensive lineman. So I took a screen grab and I've sent it to him. He, he, found, he saw the funny side of it. Um, Hollis, is, Hollis is a borough in New York, apparently. So there you go. Mag- magnificent. And Paul? Uh, it's all work and no play for me, Cameron. I've got uh, a radio game on Saturday and I've got some TV work on Saturday evening um, and then hopefully if I can get that finished it'll be around to watch night in my local church um, and hopefully see Christmas in that way so that's the plan So there you go, so what are we missing out on? Ravens, Falcons, Panthers Lions uh, I guess, some, do you know what? Ravens, Falcons relevant because the Falcons are not out of the race to win the division Ravens still in the playoffs as things stand Panthers-Lions, similar. Panthers still kind of playing in the division. Lions fighting back. Chief Seahawks is... Uh, Can I yeah. rewind you to that Panthers game? And yeah. They've been running the ball brilliantly. They've won three of their last four. And against the Steelers, they decide they don't want to run the ball. 16 attempts, lowest of the season, 21 yards, clearly not working. Um, I, I'm... I just couldn't figure that out watching some of that game, why they weren't getting the same gaps and why they abandoned the run game so quickly. I know they were behind, et cetera, et cetera. It just seems to me they took the, what they were best at doing and didn't do it against the Steelers. That's interesting. It'll be interesting to see what they do this week because it clearly didn't work. Sam Darnold obviously trying to show what he's about, maybe mm. got in the ear and asked for the opportunity to sling it. But yeah, I mean, that Steelers defense is good, but... You're right, they've been so successful through running the ball. 
Um, be interesting to see what they do. Chief Seahawks, I dismissed it there, but I guess the Seahawks still playing for their place in the postseason have something to prove. The Chiefs have won the division, but they'll want that number one seed. Uh, therefore, they've still got something to play for. Brown Saints, Brown still in the mix. Saints could still win division. It's all to play for for both teams there. Titans Texans is the first one that we come up where there's nothing for one of the teams because the Texans are done. The Titans obviously still have to win out because they don't want to lose out to the Jags. Relevance. Patriots Bengals. Bengals obviously looking to finish as high they can secure that division. Patriots could still make the postseason. Vikings Giants. Vikings and the Giants. Vikings obviously won the division, but they'll want to get as high as they possibly can. Don't want to lose that number two seed that they'll probably get. Giants obviously still playing for their way in the division. Something for both teams to play for. Bears, Bills. Bills trying to obviously get that number one seed, so they want to win. They still need to clinch that division. Bears probably nothing to play for. Niners, Commanders. Niners playing for as high as they possibly can. Commanders still trying to get into the postseason. Currently there right now. We've talked about Cowboys, Eagles. Massively relevant. So the first game that we can officially switch off for is uh, Sunday Night Football, Steelers, Raiders, because nobody gives a shit. Yeah. Don't set up for that. Go to your bed. Santa will be raging. If he f- if Santa finds you watching the Steelers Ravens, he's taking your presents back. You don't deserve them. Sorry. Yeah, the, the only reason to watch that, of course, is the, the poignancy that the Raiders, Steelers, of course, the, the immaculate reception, 50 years, and the loss of Franco Harris uh, this week, passing away. The Steelers, I understand, were due to retire his number at that game. That just takes on a different poignancy altogether, um, which is such a shame. You know, if, if anybody's been watching the NFL Network today, you know, it's all been about Franco Harris and watching, you know, how he ran. And, you know, not only was a good player, you know, they, they say an even better person, former Walter Payton, Man of the Year winner. Um, what a loss. What an absolute loss that is. Absolutely. And I think that that will be poignant for them to pay tribute to him for sure. Uh, and yeah, you've kind of made me look like a bit of a dick there, Paul. So I appreciate that. No, no, I've made fun of Mike Leach having a funeral <laughs> this week. I mean, poke fun of Franco Harris dying. Oh, you go, Camden. Give us your best material. <laughs> I genuinely <laughs> thought you you were absolutely fine because you talked about the game and you were absolutely spot on. I'm sitting here ready to make a peeling lump of coal joke, but no, I can't now. That's fine. I feel I just feel bad and guilty. Oh well. <laughs> Go on, say something offensive about the Packers Dolphins. <laughs> no, let's not. Let's not. Um uh, so Sunday then, yeah, Packers Dolphins. Um Packers have slim hopes for the postseason, but they're not done yet. Dolphins obviously still trying to win theirs in. Rams Broncos is a complete dud. So there's again Christmas night. Don't bother. Um, Cardinals yeah, Buccaneers. They've been, they've been kind to the NFL. They know that everyone is going to be sitting in a stupor of whiskey liqueurs and too much turkey, and um, they've just said, "Don't, don't worry about it. Don't tune in. Just have a wee nap in the couch. Relax." Um, try and play with that present that you don't know what on earth it is exactly and the instructions are, are not in English. That's where you, you sit down and try and figure out why it keeps buzzing when you switch the button on. Um, <laughs> I, I think to try and rescue Ian here, I think it will be a real test. If somebody suggests to you that they turn on the Broncos-Rams game, they're simply not pissed enough. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, you know... And then it's Cardinals, Bucks, Colts, Chargers. 
It's fine. I'm glad we're doing the pish cast next week because we can touch on some of the headlines and we can get on with the nonsense. Um, we will be coming out to you on social media, particularly on Twitter, asking you for your questions. We got some absolute crackers last year. Um, if you want, you can go back and listen to last year's pish cast. Um, we'll all be getting together. That should be available at some point on the 28th of December for you to listen to. I apologise in advance for any nonsense that goes on there. Um, but gentlemen... That probably brings us about to the end. Any other headlines that you want to touch on before we wrap up? One thing that has happened since we've been recording is uh, Rob Gronkowski has tweeted to say that he's a kind of bored. Um, do we see Gronk coming back for another postseason run? When you say he's a kind of bored, like two short planks. Uh, <laughs> yes, he's a kind of bored. <laughs> I, I, th- I think when you look at Rob Gronkowski, if you look at, some of the some of the commercials, and I watch some of the American TV coverage of the NFL. You know, you see former players and things like that who are just natural actors, and Rob Gronkowski isn't. He's not. Um, it's terrible. <laughs> any other news items? A couple of reminders. Then we'll do. Um, you, we're giving away a bottle of whiskey. We need to pick a winner. Jamie, you've not done this for a while. Number between one and twenty-two, please. 12. Number 12. Uh, congratulations to Alex Beaton. Alex, you're the winner of a bottle of Loch Lomond whiskey and two tumblers. If you didn't win, we've got good news for you because we're actually selling a few bottles this year as well. Make sure that you visit Loch Lomond Whiskies and look under the shop for the sponsorship editions, and there you will find Stramash. Or check us out on Twitter because we'll have a link there. Fantastic opportunity to buy a very limited run of bottles we have a set number we've oh, more than half of them have gone so we're into the we're into the point where the vikings come back now um but an opportunity for you to buy a bottle have a bit of history because it's worth having uh and you can buy a couple of tumblers too 50 pounds for the bottle 60 pounds if you want the two tumblers too and if there's, if, for that. If, there's, if there's anybody that's a Cowboys fan or a commanders fan or a giants fan and you buy the whiskey possibly by today or by tomorrow, then you will force a Philadelphia Eagles fan to actually come out in the cold and the snow and the wet and personally hand deliver it to you because he has, he has made that promise. So if you want to, if you're sick of the Eagles dominating the NFC, get your revenge by buying some whiskey and forcing... Uh, misery. Uh, misery. Yes, <laughs> the, the misery of... Deliver it. He what he wants to be involved in something hedonistic. You know what he's like. He's always got women with fake boobs surrounding him, and that's his kind of Christmas. He doesn't want to be out trawling to places like Airdrie or whatever somewhere in the east. I don't know. Dunfermline. There you go. Beijing's in the east. Um, but yeah, do buy a bottle of whiskey. Uh, the other one as well is we've got our live events coming up at the end of January, Ian. We have Dante Hall, the X Factor, the human joystick, coming over to Scotland to join us. We've got a live event in Friday where we'll be having a sit-down chat with, with Dante to go through his history, get that opportunity to have that one-to-one, ask him questions and hear what he's got to say. Obviously, his time with the Chiefs, his time with the Claymores, his time with the Rams... Um, it will be an amazing opportunity. Then on the Sunday, he's coming to the Golf Tavern in Edinburgh, where we will sit down and get his insight before, during and after the championship games. Of course, the Chiefs may well be involved in that. So if you're a Chiefs fan, how better 
to watch the championship game than with Monty Hall in the room with you, where you can get his insight. Um, very excited about that one. Tickets still available. Listen, it's an investment. It's an investment. You buy the VIP ticket, then you're allowed to bring along as much memorabilia as you want. Well, not really. It's two. I think about two. I'm not going to say as you want. Then you get somebody coming along with like 400 <laughs> Donty Hall stick, stickers. You can bring, a, bring along a, within, reason, within reason a couple. So, for example, you jump into Sports Direct, you pick up a football for 10 quid, you bring it along, Donty signs it. It's already worth triple the value of the ball and the ticket. Yep. You you are officially um, the football equivalent of a crypto millionaire. Yeah. And now here's Paul going to explain to everyone exactly what an NFT is. Paul, over to you. <laughs> well, it's a, it's a non-fungible token, but we won't go into that. I'm quite happy to sign any footballs as well to half the value for you, or at least we'll probably take it down by 95%, to be fair. Have you ever been stopped and asked for an autograph, Paul? Honestly? Yes. Oh. <laughs> Jamie, Jamie, have you ever been asked? Yes. Ah, Ian, we're doing something wrong. Someone I've, bought me a pint of Guinness because they heard my voice once, I've which been, was I've, an amazing experience. I was like, this is great. I've been asked twice. Once was when I was in Singapore and somebody asked me to sign a tile because they, they they owned a tile warehouse. And I, I made a, a predicted uh, something in the, the Euros in 2000 and they won something like $20,000. So I signed a <laughs> tile for them. And the other time when I was walking out of uh, Tynecastle, just behind, um, who's that that player that scored in the 5-1 cup final? The... Czech player that they all love, Rudy Scatchel. Yeah, I was walking behind Rudy Scatchel, and people thought I must have been a Hearts player because I was walking behind him. So they all thrust out there. <laughs> the looks really excited. So there you go. Yeah, don't even say my name. Just say something random. I've ruined, a, I've ruined a small child's day, but never, never mind. <laughs> Talking right. of ru- ruining days, uh, Trace McSorley will start a quarterback for the Cards uh, against the Bucks. So if that, that Cards-Bucks game wasn't doing it for you, Trace McSorley now slotting at quarterback. Oofed. Something to mm. stay up late for. Um, right, I think that's just about it. Then that's everything for episode 215 of Stramash. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this. Sorry for our end of season waffling and pish. Uh, it is the Christmas season after all. We've got half an eye on that. Um, do continue to share your thoughts on this and every episode on social media at Scotland NFL on Twitter and search for us on Instagram or Facebook. All those social media channels, but keep listening to the podcast and keep sharing it with your friends as well. Remember, of course, the events come up in January. Tickets to them make ideal Christmas presents. But for now, stow away your ham and egg sandwiches. Get yourself ready for Christmas. For Jamie, for Cameron, for Ian, and all of the NFL Scotland team, we wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. And do join us for episode 216, which will be our Pishcast for 2022. From us all, bye for now. I've totally fucked that up. That's been a couple of weeks of not doing it.